It's a Mind Matters Free Clinic with Dr. Philip George, consultant psychiatrist at IMU. Call us for any great advice from the good doctor. Anisa, you had a question for Dr. Philip. Yes, I do. I've been trying to stick to this diet, which I've had much success in previously, but this time I don't have the willpower to follow through. How can I cycle myself to stick to this way of eating? (laughs) Okay, I wish I knew the answer to that too. Dr. Philip, what's your advice? Yeah, no, look, I think we need to be realistic in our expectations with where we're going with, you know, diets. I would suggest not making huge changes if we want to look at, you know, creating a diet that helps us to bring our body image and our weight down and, you know, make it something that's sustainable. It's got to be something that is continuous, that's perhaps, you know, lifelong. I don't know, but uh, maybe you don't notice this, Charles, but I've actually cut down on my carbohydrates. Oh, wonderful. And I find that it's sustainable. It's, you know, I can continue with this for the rest of my life. I, I don't yearn it. I don't have to crave it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can have a very small portion of carbohydrates and feel comfortable with it. So I think it's, you know, finding a diet that suits you f- for continuum and not just for the short term. Also, don't think you need to put, you know, objectives and goals like, let me check my weight every week and let me, you know, try and put this other outfit that I couldn't wear before and, you know, look at the long term rather than the short term. Because often, you know, when we look at the short term, we get disappointed, we get frustrated and all those emotional responses have a huge impact on being able to maintain our weight. You know, it sometimes makes us comfort eat or, you know, maybe even put on more weight instead of losing weight. The other thing I think is very, very important is to include exercise. It cannot be underestimated the amount of, you know, impact it has, especially when we're trying a diet mm-hmm. on helping us to actually maintain that objective. And so if we're fooling ourselves and thinking that just diet alone is enough, we are not going to get anywhere with that. <laughs> are you on an exercise I as well? I am <laughs> trying. <laughs> Well, three days a week, at least. I wish it could be more. Okay, well, it's a start, definitely. It's a start, yeah. And the number to call is 039543333. Also, send us a voice note on our DG Lightline at 016-510-8888. Coming up, Lim wants to know if there are any natural remedies that are contraindicated with antidepressants. We've got Dr. Phillips' advice next after O-Town here on Light. Win your share of 15K with Sounds Like a Song starts at 9 a.m. Don't forget today we're going to kick things off with a thousand ringgit. It's a Mind Matters free clinic with Dr. Philip George, consultant psychiatrist. Lim, you had a question for Dr. Philip. I'm wondering if there are certain natural remedies that I can use that are contraindicated with certain antidepressants. Oh, you mean uh, you shouldn't take them if you are taking antidepressants. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Herbal yeah. remedies and, and whatnot. Yep. Are there any of these that shouldn't be taken along with antidepressants? Uh, yes, there are, Shaz. Actually, one of the most common is St. John's Wort. Uh, St. John's Wort is an over-the-counter herbal sort of remedy. It actually increases tyramine in the brain, which then increases 5-hydroxytryptamine. And that's exactly what the antidepressants do. So this can lead to what is known as a serotonin syndrome, and it actually can be quite disastrous. Uh, there are other things like kava. Well, it's it's a tuber, yes, yes. Um, and uh, it's thought to help with anxiety, but it too can actually interact with antidepressants. Uh, Jinko biloba, there's some data that actually suggests that that might also interact. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are a few, including as well, you know, high doses of garlic and ginseng. 
So, yeah, so I think we need to do a little bit of our own research when we are trying out these other traditional and complementary therapies. Speak to your doctor and they should be able to list out uh, what are the other treatments because different antidepressants work on different sort of uh, neurotransmitter systems. So there may be specific interactions as well. Of course, always check with your doctor. And uh, if you have a question for Dr. Philip, call us on 039543 It's a Mind Matters free clinic. Coming up, Linda wants to know how she can talk to her son about pornography. That's up next after the traffic update and Celine Dion here on Light. It's a Mind Matters Free Clinic with Dr. Philip George, consultant psychiatrist from IMU. Hi, Linda. You had a question for Dr. Philip? Recently, I was told by my younger son that my older son had been secretly watching pornography on his phone. And I'm not quite sure how to talk to my son about it. Okay, so you want Dr. Phil's advice on how to approach this topic, yeah? Yes, please. How old is your son? He's 13. Okay, well, Dr. Philip, what are your (laughs) thoughts on approaching this uh, delicate matter? Yeah, no, I think uh, we all put our heads in the ground sometimes and think it doesn't exist. It is so common for teenagers and adolescents to maybe view and see pornography and have pornography in their minds as they're growing up, especially after puberty. And it's important on how we deal with it as parents. Mm-hmm. So the first and important thing, I think, is to have that conversation about the birds and the bees with your children and have it at the appropriate time. You know, just round about puberty is the time when you want to talk to them, discuss with them about, you know, why boys and girls are different and, you know, how relationships come about and how, you know, babies are made and what, you know, how beautiful that whole process is and that it should be kept as a a sanctity and, and, you know, dignified thing and not something that is abused and misused. And so we bring that whole process of understanding sexuality at an early age. And I think parents play an important role in talking, having that discussion. You know, sometimes we leave it to our teachers and, uh, no, you know. It's not going to happen. Usually. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and, you know, we're just playing that unrealistic approach that, oh, they shouldn't be doing this. But it's typical for them when they have hormones racing and when they're influenced by peers for them to get onto sites that may not be actually, you know, very educational as well. Mm. So, yeah, I think. It's important that we have that discussion and then talk to our children about boundaries. Yes. What are the boundaries within that, you know, whole realm of what's available online and, you know, what is the consequences if they break those boundaries as well. Yeah. And also with regards to the human relations, you know, consent is a a huge topic as well, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important for especially boys to realize that they need to respect and understand, you know, women and, you you know, play that role in protection rather than, you know, violation. And uh, that needs to start at a very young age. I mean, it typically should be through what they observe at home, but also it should be a discussion that parents have with their children. Give us a call on 039543 if you have a question for Dr. Philip. Mike has one about how he can reject his friend who is so pushy and wants him to sign up for a leadership course. Mm, one of those. Well, we've got Dr. Philip's answer for Mike up next here on Light. 
It's a Mind Matters free clinic, and something that was weighing very heavily on my mind was uh, the act of terrorism that happened in New Zealand last Friday. We saw a lone gunman in uh, what was the worst case of mass murder in the modern history of New Zealand. He went into a mosque during Friday prayers and gunned down all these people. 50 people died um, as a result of that. And what is worse is that video, the live feed from his own Facebook Live was shared within moments, okay? And uh, Facebook have said that it blocked the upload of 1.2 million video clips and removed another 300,000 within 24 hours. But you know what? People are still sharing them. It's still available on other social media and other um, internet platforms. You can view this. In most cases, your friends have probably forwarded those video clips to you. I personally refuse to look at it. I do not want to see people being gunned down. We shouldn't be sharing those videos because A, it is disrespectful to those who died in this massacre. These are their final moments. It is just so horrific. Think of the victims. Think of their families. You know, if this was one of yours, would you want them to live on in posterity in this way, in this social viral media way? Now, see, I'm getting quite um, emotional about it. On top of that, right, I don't even know his name. I don't want to know his name. And the New Zealand Prime Minister was right in saying that she will not even repeat his name ever again. But this shooter, this murderer wants notoriety. He wants to go down in history as someone who did something. So why are we even giving him that? Just stop sharing these videos. And personally, I know there's a bigger um, humanitarian as well as mental and emotional impact from viewing and sharing these types of videos online. Well, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I'm sure you have feelings about this as well. Even if you have viewed that video, that live feed of all those people being shot and gunned down. How do you think you will be impacted from this incident? Give me a call 039543 I'd like to hear what you think next on Light. It's a Mind Matters free clinic, and we were talking about the Christchurch massacre in New Zealand that happened last Friday and some of the viral footage that just exploded on the scene. Sharon, I understand you have small children? Yes, I do. How old are they? Um, One is three and the other one is uh, four going to five. Right. Okay, so have you personally seen any of the footage that came out of the uh, Christchurch shootings? I did and it was absolutely heartbreaking to watch that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if my kids saw this, I think it would have an impact on them. And it, it really, really scares me because one, it could make it look like it's all right to be, you know, really mean and angry and have so much hate Mm -hmm. and the other thing is i'm afraid that you know this will impact them in a negative way they'll feel like you know we can go out and do this thing so but the thing is i have to believe that i've brought i'm bringing them up in a good way Mm -hmm. so yeah right how do you explain something like this to your child what happened in new zealand last friday i guess the best way how i explained it to my four-year-old was this is something that's not all right the world is filled with a lot of good things and good people. But once in a while, there are bad people and bad things that happen. And this reminds us that we should never, ever do things like this. Or even have that much hate in yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's how I explained it to my four-year-old. Please think before you share. Nothing good can come out of sharing these horrific footages. And remind your friends and followers on social media as well that the victims were real people with families who loved them and mourned them. And it is so disrespectful. And honestly, by sharing this footage, you're just giving the terrorist what he wants, which is fame and notoriety. 